0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. I'm coming to you from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the Mackinac Policy Conference, our annual chance to get business and political leaders together from across the state to talk about and maybe try to solve some of our deepest Problems. My next guest is the Michigan congressman who represents Michigan's ninth district in Washington, Congressman Andy Levin. Welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks, Stephen. It's great to be with you.
0: So I I think we have to start with uh, what Robert Mueller said the other day uh, when he finally came out and spoke for himself and said, here's what I was trying to do with this uh, report that we've seen a lot of, but not all of. And he also said, this is my statement. I don't have more to say than what I put into uh, that document. I wonder what your reaction was to his announcement.
1: Well, it was sobering, uh, Stephen. He, He ended, first of all, by saying that Russian interference in the election was a big deal. He he made a point of coming back to yes, this that it was real. And have with a president, you know, saying no collusion, nothing happened. He said this was real. It's very serious and every American should pay attention to it. So we need to do everything we can to secure our elec- our elections. As you know, we passed our HR1 bill which had so many things to strengthen our democracy but including Strengthening the security of our elections and I wish the president would stop focusing so much on himself and focus on the work we need to do Um, and then he also Mr. Mueller also made it perfectly clear that he was not exonerating the president that he was duty bound because of Justice Department regulations not to charge a sitting president. But that they had, he didn't, it wasn't his job to make a conclusion, in that obviously there was grave um, concern about the president ob- obstructing justice. And I personally, having read the whole Mueller report, and he, volume two, as he called it, the part about obstruction, he laid out 10 instances in which the president did or attempted to obstruct justice. And I, um, you know, when you combine that with other things the president's done, like continue to enrich himself uh, in his office, seemingly against the plain words of the Emoluments Clause, mm-hmm. it's it's a very serious matter for our country, for our democracy.
0: So, where do you stand then on what should happen next? There are a lot of people who say this is sufficient evidence to begin impeachment proceedings against the president. There are some people who say. I, they would go even further and say that they would vote to impeach the president based on what they've seen either in the report or heard. Uh, otherwise, where are you along that spectrum?
1: Well, can I get a little wonky on you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I'm a, I'm, to, to simply answer, I guess I'm sort of in the middle. It's May of 2019, but and we know that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. <laughs> and so I'm saying to you here... As we sit in this beautiful you know, room in Mackinac, it's May 1973. That's what it really is. Okay. In May That's a very dark of 1973, comparison. well, in May of 1973, the public was not for impeaching President Nixon. Right. The Republicans in the Congress of the United States were not for impeaching their president. But in that month, the Watergate uh, committee was formed. And it took a year in that committee of telling the story on live television to the american people for the facts to come out other legal shoes dropped during that year and by may of 1974 the impeachment was on its way july 30th the you know the boom dropped and august 8th he was gone he laughed so the whole the, my point is you had may to may about of sober serious non-partisan investigation and then the impeachment thing that led to him resigning before he was, you know, kicked out of office was very brief. I think that regardless of what Mr. Mueller said this week that he needs to come and tell the story to the American people even if he just he doesn't have to expand or say different things the people need to see it directly. We need to try to you see from You want them to hear from him. Yes, what he thinks. Look, who's going to read? What, what regular person? It's my job, Stephen. What regular, the, uh, regular people have other jobs? They don't have time to read a 483-page or whatever report. It's also boring and complicated. <laughs> we, we need to give this to the American people in the way they get most of their information, you know, on television. Mr. McGann needs to go there, other witnesses. And then let's remember, what was most of the redaction due to? ongoing grand jury, grand jury. matters. Sure. Well, there's likely to be further indictments. What about his tax returns? His New York tax returns seem to be on the way. Hopefully his federal tax returns should be on the way soon. There's a lot. There are a lot of cases in various federal courts that we're pushing to do our proper oversight. So here's where I'm at. Our, we took an oath to uphold the Constitution and to oversee the administration. I personally think that the president has committed impeachable acts. But I don't see a point of Im- impeaching and failing, <laughs> you know, in the sense of having a vote that doesn't lead to actual impeachment or actual expulsion from office. So we need, to, we need to do our investigation and tell the story to the American people and let the chips fall where they may.
0: What are you hearing from your constituents about this? Uh, are people anxious the way... Uh, that the media are anxious about this? Are they anxious the way that some members of Congress are anxious about this? Or are they thinking about other stuff?
1: Yes and no. The yeah. activists are are focused on it, but my, mostly my constituents want to talk about the things that are crowded out by this discussion. So we passed the Equality Act to get rights for LGBTQ people in accommod- public accommodations, at work, in housing. We passed um, a bill to protect people with pre-existing conditions. We passed multiple measures to reduce prescription drug costs. We're trying to help American workers have a better standard of living And that story is not being told. And most of my constituents say, what are you doing to increase my paycheck, get me health care and protect my retirement? And, you know, those are the things that I talk about most with my constituents in the 9th district.
0: Uh, My guest is Andy Levin. He is a new congressman who represents Michigan's 9th district in Congress in Washington. We're talking at the Mackinac Policy Conference uh, about what's going on in Washington with oversight of the Trump presidency, uh, holding that presidency accountable for the things that have been revealed in the Robert Mueller investigation, as well as some other things. Um, Andy, I want to talk a little about uh, a different topic. You've been doing a lot of work on the issue of Iraqi detainees in and around Detroit who are facing deportation. deportation. Um, And it's not enough just to say that these are people facing deportation. These are people facing deportation. and Possible death if uh, if they go home I mean I, that's right I think that's an important context uh, to put that in um, so talk some about the bill that you introduced that is meant to try to address this issue
1: yes, yeah, so we are working super hard to prevent uh, the Iraqis who have deportation orders often from ten or twenty thirty years ago under facts fact, circumstances that bear no resemblance to today, we're trying to pre- prevent them from being wholesale deported to possible torture, death, very dire circumstances. Most of these folks had deportation orders from before the Iraq war, before there was anything called ISIS. Right. Those who are Chaldean, which is the majority in the Ninth District, mm. uh back at a time when there were maybe a million and a half chaldeans in iraq whereas today there are only two hundred thousand. today those their villages where they may have come from don't even exist Mm. and so and most of them don't speak arabic they don't have family there it it makes no sense to deport them at all and here look at where are we at in in michigan and in america today we're talking about a shortage of workers we're talking about needing people with more skills. These are people who are working, paying taxes. Many of them own small businesses. They're overwhelmingly men. Most are dads, often grandfathers. <laughs> what it does our country no good to deport these people, and it would be a real um, it would be a real sin, you know, morally as far as I'm concerned. And I just want to point out what we're asking for. All we're asking for is. That, for two years, they stop this all altogether and let each of these people, as individuals, have their day in before an immigration mm-hmm. judge it 's the most American of requests <laughs> liberty and freedom, individual justice due stephen, process. due right? process stephen 's situation may be different than andy 's judge Stephen on his own merits don 't make some blanket decision and deport people back, as you say. To possibly even being killed and we know people who were killed who've been deported since the the trump administration started doing this people Mm. who come from my district so it's really important that we stop this and i just want to emphasize how bipartisan this has been john molinar has been co-leading this with me every republican and democrat but one in michigan is on this bill Mm. And we have a lot of Republicans from other states on it as well as Democrats. And we're really going to try to push this over over the finish line to get justice for these people. I admit there's some, I don't know if you call it self-interest, but anyway, we have more Iraqi-born people in the 9th District of Michigan than any other of the 435 districts in Congress. But, you know, after a couple in California, the next several are in Michigan. Michigan as a whole is really the biggest home to... Iraqis this in this country. And so it's to our duty to, to serve these, pe- these, yeah, I'm not these sure,
0: people. I'm not sure most people, most of our listeners would know that about your district, about about the 9th District, that it would be uh, such a predominantly um, uh, Iraqi population, immigrant population. That, well, the, the
1: district as a whole doesn't have such a high percentage of it's, immigrants it's overall. Yeah. But Iraqi-born people in the U.S., we have yeah. the most of any district. Yeah.
0: Uh, I also want to ask you about your concerns about this administration's stance toward Iran. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I want to read a tweet that uh, you did last week. You said, this president is hurtling us toward conflict with Iran. We in Congress must make sure that doesn't happen. We need to pass my AUMF Clarification Act to make perfectly clear that Congress has not given the president authority to use force against Iran Um, talk about uh, your fear that the president is driving us toward active conflict with Iran
1: well the president has surrounded himself uh, by with warmongers um, the secretary of state um, the national security advisor Uh, these are people who have championed us going into war probably the biggest mistake in foreign policy in modern times was the war in Iraq People remember uh, WMDs, WMDs, right? <laughs> weapons of mass destruction. They mm-hmm. said Saddam had that. He didn't, in mm-hmm. fact. But the other thing that they said, and you'll remember this, was that there was this link between Saddam and al-Qaeda. Yes. I was particularly concerned, how long ago was it, a month ago, whatever, when uh, the Secretary of State started using this line with Iran, that Iran has these links with al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote him a letter and I said, this is a serious Im- allegation. We don't see any evidence of this. In fact, within that world, they're sort of enemies. You know, they're, they have a lot of, <laughs> of tension between them. Please show us any evidence or intelligence f- that backs this up. He, ha- he has not provided any. He's not any. answered you. And, but the point is that they are day by day taking steps to to saber rattle hmm. and... Try to uh, be belligerent with Iran, which I have, you know, the Iranian regime is not, I'm not saying it's a great regime. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the way to deal with it is through diplomacy. And so I did in, uh, introduce the authorization of, of use of military force uh, clarification act. And the bill is very simple. There's other bills that talk about money, that talk about big picture what does the, you know, the AUMF mean? Mm-hmm. Mine says just this. Neither the AUMF one nor two after nine eleven or to start the Iraq War nor any other act of Congress authorizes you, Mr. President, to go to war with Iran. And if you want to do that, you got to come and get authorization from us. That's what our Constitution says. And I feel very strong. I feel like Congress over years has inappropriately delegated our responsibility to. Declare war, which is right in the Constitution, to the president, and we need. It's time we took it back, and it's an emergency right now because this president looks like he might get us into um, a, a war that would be very misguided, whether there or trying to intervene militarily in Venezuela or God knows where else. I mean, foreign policy is serious business, and we need to have need to a, a steady hand right? and be have have uh, sort of determined policy and follow through on it. And I just don't see that happening in this administration.
0: Okay. Andy Levin, Democrat who represents Michigan's 9th District. It's always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today and great to see you here on Mackinac.
1: It's good to be with you in person, Stephen. Thanks so much.
0: Okay. That's going to do it for us today. This is 1019 WDEP, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.